Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. Now talk, see if you can hear yourself a little bit better. Let's see if I can hear myself. Yeah, a little bit better. It's a little louder. Okay, okay. good deal. It's not going to be super loud yeah. because of the echo in the room. Okay. If we keep the volume really low and we just talk into the mics and post, it sounds great. Right. Yeah, no blankets. What the hell? I know, right? yeah. Where's the blankets at, man? We, we thought about it. <laughs> we were looking into panels um, that we could ship. The cost of the panels wasn't too bad, but then lugging them around yeah. or shipping them from place to place. And we do, what, four four or five events a year yeah, uh, that we record from. So we thought, well, it, that's going to get expensive. But Sunil will throw some money <laughs> without having to <laughs> mention his product or anything. There you go. Roger? These panels are sponsored by <laughs> Sunil. <laughs> Never mind my host, co-host, whatever it is that he is. Are you touching things? I'm not. <laughs> Do you think it's recording that? No, it's not. You're fine. Tell us about yourself. Introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Hi. Hey, Lucas. Uh, Roger Lanto. I'm director of Connected Mobility at Tech Insights. So right. we're a market research consultancy where we're advising automakers and suppliers uh, to the industry, everybody from semiconductor companies through wireless carriers, tier ones, tier two, software developers and integrators uh, about how to bring products to market and uh, what the adoption rates are going to be, what are the revenue opportunities, what are the regulatory challenges. Those are the things we look at. I'm kind of a connected car. Okay. I hate to use the word guru, but that's <laughs> my that's my space. That's my world. And... Uh, it has been a little unusual. Uh, I, I, this event has been recommended to me by several executives over the years, and this is the first time I've right. been invited, and I'll be giving a keynote tomorrow. And uh, because in the early days of car connectivity, uh, there was a recognition that being connected to cars meant there was an extraordinary opportunity to understand how the car was working, to uh, identify failures as they were occurring, to anticipate failures, uh, fundamentally because car connectivity is a customer retention proposition. Right, absolutely. And But not every automaker has figured out how to connect those dots uh, because, so I'm in the large volume passenger vehicle industry, so I'm, I'm, I'm not in the fleet business. Okay. And those guys understand things a whole lot better because they have issues with compliance and uptime and, yeah, and everything else. Um, the automotive industry historically has just said, uh, here's your car, see you later. Right. Um, you know, the automakers sell the cars 
to the dealers, and the dealers sell the cars to the customer, but the automaker thinks they own the relationship with right. the customer, right. which creates a huge conflict and challenge. Right. Um, so it's something I've been looking at over the years, which is why you know, I've, I've given a lot of talks about the importance of tires, right? Yeah. Uh, huge consumable uh, and a huge way to bring the customer in so you can look at all the other stuff on the vehicle uh, right. and, po- and perhaps get it taken care of. But um, I, I work in a broken industry, basically. I, I, I know that a lot of people kind of resonate with that. And so a few years ago, we got, I, I got invited to this show for the first time in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was invited through um, what is now ASTA or the Automotive Service and Tire Alliance in North Carolina. And um, they wanted to have a shop owner panel. And so I sat on that panel. And as I'm there, I'm like, you know, this is crazy. There's a lot of stuff. There, there's a major disconnect between the OE, the tool manufacturers, the part manufacturers, shop owners, and technicians. And, and the problem is, is, is that the shop owners and the technicians and the service advisors really just don't get it, right? They don't really understand what goes into not only the data that they get, but the process of which a car comes to market and, and the data that is collected within that car, they don't understand. And so we started coming back year after year. And I, I, I think one of the most monumental things the entire time we've been here is, is last year we talked about connected tires, right? And you mentioned tires. And I'm like, holy cow, I would have never thought of that, right? So tell us a little bit. You're in the analytics. You're in the data. What type of data? How does it apply to us as shop owners? So everybody knows that when you you bring your car in, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly your internal combustion vehicle, there's a port in that car that you can plug into uh, to get the data you want. And so the industry it seems like just became aware of this maybe 15 years ago, even though obviously, you know, Snap-on and Bosch have been at it for years, um, you know, delivering those diagnostic systems for dealers. Um, although the, the broader context here uh, is n- those codes mm-hmm. weren't all, you know, necessarily available from the right. OEMs. Um, but what emerged over the past 15 years was a lot of organizations like Voyo Motive, you know, IO6 and, and some others that were basically hacking into cars okay. uh, through the firewall to get beyond the basic OBD2 codes to get the deeper, you know, variety, the full scope of vehicle data that was in there. Okay. And there was all this talk from McKinsey talking about there's an $800, million, $800 billion market in vehicle data, um, which is... It's fine to say that, but it's another thing to understand that what it takes to extract that value. And a lot of that value is in customer retention okay. to enhance the lifetime value with, with the consumer. Okay. So we've taken more effort in the industry over the past 15 years to get that data, to understand what that data means, to, to put it to work, to take care of the customer. The OEMs have more tools in place. You know, Cox Automotive has been a huge player, but there are other third parties, okay. uh, smaller outfits. Many of them are getting bought up, like Automotive Mastermind, like it's like a nine-figure deal. Um, right. Not a huge company, but the perception is they're tapping into that data and the, and the access and control of that customer and taking care of their vehicle. So there's a recognition that there's a big opportunity in data and we're, we're coming to grips with it, but it's, it's small companies like Motorque and, and others that are really solving problems 
Uh, Motor mainly works with the OEMs, but they, I'm quite confident they also work with fleet operators as well. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. To tap into that data stream and sort of be the uh, the OBD whisperers, you know, to extract the value from that data. Well, so a, a lot of the talks that happen, a it, it becomes apparent that a lot of people don't understand what data we're talking about. What data are we talking about? What data is collected in an automobile? What What is usable out of that? Well, so I am I'm not a data person per se, right? But there is a large volume of data coming out of the vehicle off of all of the you know dozens and dozens of sensors that are in there that are reporting about what's going on because all these different systems in the car have to communicate with each other. And so when you tap into that OBD port, Mm -hmm. you can tap into that communication stream that's taking place in the car that will tell you how the brakes are wearing out, uh, what the the wear on the tires might be, uh, tap into the tire pressure monitor sensor, uh, all the sensors that are in the engine and the safety systems. We have way, way more safety systems on cars than we ever did before. Uh, and then there's, you know, more high-profile data like camera sensors, just getting the camera data um, off the car and turning that into value propositions. Now, a lot of that's happening within the car, okay. but we've seen OEMs like Tesla, you know, extracting that data and sending it back to headquarters when there's an edge case. When right. you take over from autopilot, oh, we want that data, and they'll send it uh, immediately. So... Tesla just got in trouble for not doing that exactly. They were jacking people's camera feeds and passing it around to each other. Oh, in the office. Yeah, well, Elon Musk could steal your car if you wanted to, for crying out loud. I mean, where's the line drawn? (laughs) Right. Uh, But if you have a crash, they don't have automatic crash notifications. So, you know, and yet he'll get a full download of the data from that crash so he can respond to NHTSA and say, it wasn't my fault. Sure, sure. But this is like, these are personal moments people were having in vehicles that were getting passed around. That's a a different podcast. That's not this podcast. Okay. (laughs) 
we're talking we're talking when about you say connected vehicle though i mean the people that are going to be listening to this are going to get freaked out i'm just telling you well right okay now, well this is the other fundamental flaw in our industry which is you and i and everybody is like connected car- what what are you talking about i've got a i've got a connectivity module in my car you mean like my phone yes exactly like your phone I, i'm really not interested in that you know i don't know not too many people probably tune into this in the sopranos episode but there's you know there's that scene where he kills i think he kills his uh, cousin or his uh, or whatever um in the in the cadillac escalade uh, and crashes crashes the car and you're thinking oh my god the police are going to arrive any minute but if you go back one episode tony's saying I had that track and stuff removed right away. Forget about that. Right. You know? Um, but yeah. How do you think they caught the, uh, the Boston marathon bombers? They had a Mercedes with telematics and they tracked them down. Really? Sure. I did not know that. Uh, so, but, but consumers, so this is a problem the industry has. The average consumer either isn't aware or isn't interested or doesn't want to pay for it. And so Toyota just offered 10 years free connectivity with their connected car systems. Um, because they recognize that that data is really valuable to them. Yes. The fact that you have to tell a company that that data is valuable is is insane to me. From a consumer standpoint, though, I'm going to have a problem if I get into the vehicle and I look up and there's that little sticker that they put in there going, hey, by the way, this vehicle's connected to the mothership it's, all it, the time. It's about to get a whole lot worse because in Europe they've mandated driver monitoring. So the Euro NCAP standards require driver monitoring in the car. Europeans will probably welcome that and enjoy it. I'm uh, not so a, sure about American, that. <laughs> your me car, as an American, a freedom-loving American, it's coming have a here. problem with that. If you want to take your hands off the wheel with Super Cruise from GM, you're going to have to come to terms with they're watching you. That's that's just a given. And you have to have an OnStar subscription. And people love that application, so that, there's your trade-off. Do people love that application? That's what they say the research says. Um, and it tracks what you really the determining factor is, does it drive like a human would drive? And it's fairly smooth. And that's, that's the key. Sure. Um, and, you know, I... They look happy on the commercials, you know. <laughs> are, are you finding that people are more open to... They're happier on Ozempic, but they're also happy with Super Cruise. <laughs> right. Well, that's the key. It's like, hey, just let go of the steering wheel, but Woo. take these drugs before you get in there. <laughs> then you don't have to worry about a thing. Are, are you finding that that consumers are welp- welcoming this, this shift? Because it's always been there. Just nobody's done anything with it. Okay, we're poised at a big inflection point in the industry. Okay. And this will be important to the shop guys because we want consumers to want connectivity because that means the shop guys will be able to get data wirelessly. So you don't have to have the vehicle physically there to plug into. You'll be able to potentially get the data through the OEM from the wireless connection in the car. Assuming the OEM wants to share the information. Minis had this forever. You pull up to a Mini, they've got telematics, they've got... BMW, I'm a BMW, I don't know, addict, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. My name's name's Roger, I'm a BMW addict. (laughs) So I know they're getting all the data on my car, and I know, so it's way beyond... They have when you pull it up? Yeah, they've got... So it's way beyond just you've gone beyond a certain number of miles. So you've got to change the transmission fluid or brake yeah. fluid or whatever it is. 
this is trouble codes, anticipating failures. Sure. And uh, which, which, in a way, that's what you want um, as a consumer. You want it. You don't. You don't want to wait till the thing fails. Uh, so what happens is BMW controls that data arbitration with the car, and they let the fix stops guy know. He's going to get. Uh, he's probably got a website he goes to that's going to identify all the customers that have an issue, and then he's obliged to reach out to those customers to let them know, hey, it's time to come in. We need. There's something sure. we need to look at on your car. Yeah, and and the OEs are doing this. Some of the OEs are Hyundai is doing it. OnStar with, is absolutely doing it. GM. Well, they're doing it specifically through apps. So the well, phone, no, it's, it's it's through the embedded system in the car, not apps on the phone. No, no. Well, no. I, I get that, but the the information's being then fed into an app. Now it's no but, longer a phone call from the dealership that you have don't have a good relationship with. Your phone's telling you oh, all the stream yes. of information. Most and, new cars come come with an app. I, I won't get into a debate about uh, how many people are downloading the app and using the app or paying attention to the app, or how often my BMW is asking me to. Re-enter my credentials on my app, and I'm like, "This is not working, guys." So you're not the app guy. You don't want the app. Yeah, it should be an embedded experience, and that's that's what I was going to say. That's where we're going. So the the big announcement for what, what do you mean by embedded experience? So if you're an automaker right now, you've got this Android Auto and CarPlay thing going on, and if people are using Android Auto and CarPlay, the OEM can't see what the customers are doing on their on that device. They can't see what they're doing in the car. Right. Yeah, and so GM. Mercedes and others are moving in new vehicles and new systems towards an embedded experience. So that app store isn't on your phone. The app store is in the car and uh, the connectivity is being used for, so at the Mercedes-Benz operating system investor briefing about a month or so ago, what they were talking about was they were going to use Google Maps in the car, not yeah. here navigation, not TomTom, yeah. not, not an embedded map, really a, a cloud, a hybrid map, basically a map coming from the cloud uh, in your car. So, yeah. so to, because people are saying, that's the experience I want. Right. Sure. Once you've done that, ah, well, now you're connected all the time, yeah. and now I can get all the other data that I really, yeah. really want, sure. which is how is that vehicle performing and how is it being used and then, you know, it's the fraught relationship between the car makers and the dealers, letting the dealers know this is what's happening and, and this is, you know, how to reach out to the customer. So we're on the aftermarket side. Yep. You can, you can understand as an aftermarket guy, this is a big problem for me that the dealership is getting exclusive access to this information. Sure, absolutely. The debate has to be, I think the debate is, does the consumer then decide, hey, I don't want this information going to my local dealership. I don't go to my local dealership. Well, this is the Massachusetts. This is right to repair. This is this is the battleground. You've got that port there. Uh, you've got companies like like Voyomotive, I guess CarShield. I can't say I'm a huge fan, but their heart is in the right place of getting getting empowering the customer with that data sure. and maybe even empowering because I, 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 I think there's must be at least a half dozen other aftermarket devices. If you want to go the plug-in kind of a route, I think it's going to be difficult to do it with an, an app on a connected smartphone because it's just not going to be plugged into the CAN data, which is what you really want. The OEs are, are getting all this information because they have access to it, right? They're connected to the vehicle. They're getting all this information. The decision's going to have to be, 
the OE has no vested interest in feeding the information that's not yeah. going to funnel them back into the car purchasing funnel. That's going to be a problem for the aftermarket. Yes, where the, 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 the acquisition process is yeah. a problem for the aftermarket. It's not going to be. It is a problem. It is a challenge. It is if if we assume, which I guess is inevitable, maybe a huge adoption rate. Maybe the consumer is just going to be forced to just, hey, this is going to be part of everyday life. You're going to have this vehicle completely. Well, so maybe, so maybe it's helpful if 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 the aftermarket non OEM dealer, you know, repair channel understands what they're really up against. So the mentality, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, as I was talking about, when Cox really got serious, they bought X Time and they bought a bunch of other. Uh, you know, they consolidated some of these CRM companies. The mentality was that when you, against to understand thy enemy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sure, sure, sure. when you come into the dealership, uh, if you've been, if, if the dealer has let you know that there's something wrong because they have this data, then that customer is prepared. So as opposed to some experiences that I've had with a dealer, I go in and, I, I want to just get an inspection or something simple, an mm -hmm. alignment or whatever. And they come and say, well, actually, you know, you know, uh, one of your struts or a mount or something like that, you know, is, is, uh, needs some attention. How much is that going to be? Uh, $2,000. Yeah. And at that point I'm like, forget about it. Yeah. I, I am yeah. out of here and I'm going to that independent repair shop because, right. because I had no hint that there was a problem that sure. serious. And so I'm just, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to screw me here. Uh, because I know you have all these systems to capitalize uh, and maximize your your profits. Because that's where they make money is in the aftermarket and selling used cars, the new car dealers. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have an easy solution for how to compete with that. But it's it's only going to get more difficult um, because those ports are going away, as I understand it. Uh, with EVs, they don't need an, a port anymore. They don't need, but they just, they sat up there today on the panel and promised oh, the really? OBD port is not going away. And I think CARB compliance is going to force them to keep the OBD port there. So here's something interesting to have. In Europe, when they mandated the e-call, so they mandated e-call uh, about five years ago. Every car had to have a connectivity device in it. And yeah, the aftermarket guys, the independent repair shops and the insurance companies and the car clubs were up in arms saying, well, if that is a mandated device, then we demand access to the data coming sure. off that device. Yeah. Now, that's not exactly what Massachusetts has said. And, and I, 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 boy, I don't want to have that conversation because that law is written in such a oh, no. bizarre fashion. Yeah. But again, their heart is in the right place. The customer should have the ability who to say, I want to send this yeah. data to this destination. And there are platforms being put in place by the car companies themselves, actually, that will enable that. Because with all these privacy requirements and mandates, GDPR and California's law, there are more consent uh, layers being put in where you would have to consent or you can control where the data is going to go. So that all sounds 
great in theory. The problem is nobody reads the terms of service. Nobody's going to read that. They're just going to go, bloop, I know, it's accept, true. It's and true. Then move on. It's true. And then it isn't until the car's out of warranty and they want to keep the vehicle that all of a sudden they're like, hey, I need you to contact the mothership and have them start streaming the information to me. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like they, they know where you've been, how often you stop, how fast you're going, we, every left-hand turn you've ever made. By the way, they're also watching you with the cameras so, inside. So one, so one company that's kind of interesting, are, are you guys familiar with Smart Car? Uh, a little bit. The the you, manufacturer? The, no, the no, no. Smart Cars? Oh, no, 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 no. 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 Um, <laughs> it's a California company startup. Uh, you okay. can put your VIN number in and get your own data from your car. Um, now, not all of it, um, right. but specific portions of it. Okay. Um, but, you know, who's going to do that, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, they've been sued, as I understand it, by Ford and possibly Volkswagen. Um, but they have, quite a, <laughs> they have quite a number <laughs> of OEMs on the platform. It's just they didn't get permission in every case. They just, you know, like, like some of these companies... You know, they just hacked their way in because they could. Yeah, sure. Uh, and so this is the challenge that we have. Was it Gary Keyes who was talking the other day about um, some of the acquisition tactics that that data had created from local dealers or from manufacturers to get the car back to the dealer, whether it be uh, geofencing, right, that they were concerned about geofencing and whatnot? What? What do you see as far as that goes? Because this guy was saying, hey, we're starting to see that if a car comes to our shop and we call up the dealer and we we say, hey, we need a price for this part, right? That they would take that information that they use to acquire the part pricing and information, part number, whatever. The VIN. Yeah. The, the VIN number. And they would reach out to that client and would say, hey, that's a really expensive repair. We've got a great deal on a car for you. It's hand-to-hand combat. There's no question right. about it. I mean, years ago, I was at the, I used to have a Toyota uh, and a minivan, um, my wife's car, and I uh, was in the thick of this conversation about CRM and, and mm-hmm. customer retention by the dealers. And uh, the one of the service managers told me, he said, well, here's a Venza. It was new at the time. He said they had a, they had a, uh, I don't know they had they had a crash, mm-hmm. so they had a repair done at a third party place, yeah. and they didn't use OEM parts, mm-hmm. and they had a problem with it, and so they brought it to the dealer once they had the problem, and the dealer's like, "Oh wow, you're at, guess what they said? You're out of warranty. You know, you're you're yeah. kind of screwed. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg," and so it's hand to hand combat, you know, and right. I. Um, I don't know if the laws can be changed, but that's a slow, <laughs> slow process. Yeah. Uh, so it is like guerrilla warfare. So it is, you know, the only thing I can think of is uh, aftermarket devices um, and maybe some... Aftermarket devices capturing the data stream. Yeah. And so it no longer just goes directly to the OE. Now it has to pass through this aftermarket device. Oh, oh, it wouldn't inter. Oh no, it would. It would create a parallel communication path. Okay. uh, To and so the organization that would make the device available would be the independent shop. Um, and I, 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 I. I Is there are there aftermarket devices that sophisticated? Yeah, yeah. Voyomotive just relaunched a device to do just that. Yes. And it's a plug-in. Um, but I can't believe they're the only ones. And I can't believe Snap-on and Bosch don't have anything The, the, the problem, aftermarket. though, is that these devices are 
every device I've ever seen is, is overly rudimentary and only feeds very basic data. Yeah. It is not... Voyomotive, so you should familiarize yourself with Voyomotive. Uh, it was founded by... It's actually the company behind it is io6 founded by robert bacht and literally robert rented cars and hacked into those cars to get all the codes uh and and get the information to create this platform he's been doing it for i don't know like i said those 12 15 years mm, so right. it's, he's not some johnny come lately um there are a lot of aftermarket uh chinese you know sourced obd devices so there's plenty of devices um, I can't believe, like I said, CarShield's the only company out there. I got to believe there there must be other players that that have aftermarket devices that repair shops for their you know good customers yeah. could could make a device available. Now there's other issues. So for example, I just got a software update in my BMW, and there was a checklist of things to do before it would initiate mm-hmm. the update, and one of them was remove anything you've got in your OBD2 port. And I I had a smart home device plugged into mine, which I had to take out. So, you know, things can happen when you start plugging things into that port and driving around. But I I think we've, for the most part, we've figured that out. And there are legit suppliers of devices. Um, But you know what I'm talking about. Have you seen some devices out there? I, 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 I didn't... I, I would have brought a list with me and been better prepared. I, so the the one that comes to mind is is there is a device that was um, that was offered by a automotive CRM company, right? And it it went around and around. I, but the same situation. It's like overly rudimentary. Well, it, only P zero like g- generic. Code, it actually so. had more data in it. But it, very interestingly, the problem was is that certain cars, if you plugged it in. And they had a smart key. The car wouldn't start. Yeah, the car wouldn't start. <laughs> because it, it turns into a whole n- nightmare. Well, that's too. what I was kind right. of alluding to. Some of the Chinese product, you know, some of it's right. very good, and they're making some of the best quality stuff, and then maybe not. Well, I'm, you know, my loaner cars, right? It's the loaner car fleet. I have. A I GPS mean, GPS device. Yeah, yeah, and and it's got phenomenal data. It tells me how much gas is in it. Tells me where it's at. How many miles it's been driven. How fast it was going. Does it have a check engine light? Does it have anything going on with it? I mean, and it it's pretty fantastic data the the issue so i i had that device the crm one the issue was was getting the customer to to adopt to it that that was the biggest by far this is going to be quite a bit quite a challenge for the aftermarket so so i'm thinking it's an 80 20 situation right like if you got a customer with a brand new car the likelihood of them having frequent service visits is probably pretty low However, what we saw during COVID was that people are driving old cars around and there's plenty of old cars out there. And so you'd probably want to focus on the customer with the older car. Y- yes and no. You're, you're right. Of course We're, right. we're going to be fixing five to seven <laughs> year old vehicles. I like him vehicles. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's five to seven year old vehicles. You're right there. But these, these people that are getting out of warranty with vehicles that are connected all the time, mm-hmm that have 10-year connectivity. We're now out of the, the manufacturer warranty, so we're year four, year five. They want to keep this. It's a Toyota. It's going to last 250,000 miles or whatever. They may be coming to me all of a sudden, and they're, hey, I want to bring the vehicle to you. You took care of my last one. I bought this new one. That's why I haven't been around. Okay, that happens. The problem is they're going to keep getting bombarded from Toyota or the dealer 
come back, come back, come back. Oh, yeah, for sure. I cannot outspend them marketing-wise. No. So all of a sudden, I have to have this conversation going, hey, when you bought this car, you didn't realize that the car is connected to Toyota headquarters all the time. That information that gets fed to your local dealership, that dealership now has access to all this information that you didn't realize that when you hit, you signed that form and hit con- I consent, you didn't realize that they were watching your eyeballs and they were seeing how hard you were gripping the steering wheel. So, and they were doing right. face scan. Subaru does a face uh, scan, okay, by the way. Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. On the spot, here's here's Roger's hot tip. Okay. okay. Um, the Don't consent. The, Rip it out. No, 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 no. <laughs> Pull no. a Tony you Soprano. Can't fight, you can't fight City Hall. Um, but um, the biggest consumable on the car, uh, other, other than fluids, is tires. Okay. okay? And at, at 63 years old, I've had a lot of unpleasant experience with tires. Just going in for my vehicle inspection. Sure. And, you know, it's like I, I am, you know, the cheese brain, you know, you realize your tires are pretty worn and you look and they are like really badly worn. Right. And it's like horrific. Like, how did that happen? Um, Focusing on tires opens the door to everything else because if there is bad wear on the tires, well, guess what? You know, there's, there's an alignment uh, opportunity. Now I know not everybody does alignments, but also all that rigging to get that tire where it's supposed to be has a tendency to fail. Sure, so there sure. are service opportunities there and they're very easy to explain and understand to say nothing of the brakes or, you know, may, may well need attention. So my, you know, my hail Mary for the, for the aftermarket independent guys would be focus on the tires. Um, you know, cause that's something people understand. And actually in this transition to EVs where we're going to lose a lot of that, content that needed attention in an internal combustion vehicle tires are a big consumable on an yes. electric vehicle they're heavier yeah. they have more torque that's that's sure. my little hot take for well you know and and i don't think that the average consumer until they sit down and think about how much data is being collected about them and around them how much is actually there, right? How much is actually coming out? We, we I talk just about, said Subaru does a face scan. Well, I, I understand if what I'm saying. The, the consumer doesn't down, know it that. Scans your face. Most shop recognizes owners. who is sitting in that seat, and then because you're saved in their da- in the car and going up to Subaru, the car then adjusts the seat and all that stuff to where you you had to. Very cool technology. Okay, I'm going to tell problem, you something. Now you're freaking. I, I know you 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 don't want to be monitored and tracked. Or any oh, of that stuff. Uh, wait, you, listen, so here's the thing about our guests that come on this show. Eventually, <laughs> they start listening to the show, and then they learn about David. So uh, <laughs> I just want to have you back on in a couple months, and then we can really talk about that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Look, I, I, I've, I've uh, backed off uh, the, the tinfoil a little bit, but... <laughs> But Some this, the, is, but the this is what's going were, to happen, okay? You, I, I know. Like, no, no, I'm no, going no, to be listen driving to, listen. an old vehicle for forever. Listen to me. Freaked out. Listen to me. You're going to get in a rental car someday soon, and it's going to scan you and identify you. Yeah. And and you'll be credentialed to use that car, and it's going to be a security aspect to that vehicle, and it's going to know your preferred cloud resources, which will be infused into the dashboard, and so your Prime account is going to suddenly come up. And And the first time it happens to you, you're going to freak out, and jump out of the car and throw the keys at the desk. And then the second time, you're going to be like, 
It's not that bad. It's pretty cool. You say that, but <laughs> what it's going to do is flag me. Does, does he and know? You do not. And your social credit does score he know does you? not. Have y'all been friends or something? I mean, he just really. <laughs> no, no. He does. He thinks that I'm going to just accept it. What he doesn't realize is that my social credit score is going to be too low. You have shared inappropriate memes, and and the and the car will shut off. <laughs> And then just like red flashing lights will start coming at me is all I'm going to. And I'm going to get sent off to meme jail. No, That's bl- what's no, end up no black, no black helicopters. No, no they won't invest that much yeah, in him. They're just like the car and let him die. So, so I mean, people talk about privacy, right? right? Do we really think we have any privacy? I mean, you've seen, I mean, exactly. I just, I just watched I every available Dateline episode and right away, it's like <laughs> they take the person's computer and their phone and they know everything. Right. Well, and, and, and but here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, the first thing you said when you sat down was we are giving up mountains of data. Yes. And yes. nobody knows what to do with it. And you're right. Yes. That's that's the problem is that we are giving up mountains of data and nobody knows what to do with it. But now they're introducing AI and it's getting out. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they've got mechanisms to start identifying people, trends, patterns yep. that before would have taken a massive amount of computing power. And the right algorithm. I thought we were talking about repairing vehicles. Uh, we 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 rarely stay on like one. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> it's going to go sideways. I promise. This is what's going to end up happening. I have, to, I have to say this. Did we just take a left turn at Albuquerque? Okay. We, anyway. We, well, we're in Albuquerque. <laughs> so yeah, we did. That's why he said it. No, I love it. <laughs> they don't know. Oh, it, it was is very witty. He ruined it. Or just maybe so it was a know. right turn at Albuquerque. But anyway, <laughs> this is very right turn. I'm just saying that all this information has now the means to be deciphered and analyzed at a speed so that's never. So been the independent guys before. have to become. The code whisperers, like I know everything about your vehicle. I know I what, am going to offer a. I'm going to rip all this garbage out of your car service. <laughs> well, at, at OEMs, you don't want to get. I've been in meetings it. where uh, some guy at OEMs where the a guy raises his hand and says, "I'm the guy who, you know, arranges to have." You know that thing removed <laughs> for those. I mean, you can imagine there are some Mercedes, BMW customers yeah. that are like. I want, I want the stuff out. out. Yeah. yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get tracked. We, but we, not we, that you're doing anything nefarious. I'm just saying that what freaked me out, especially around COVID, and I, I'm in. I'm in the middle of like I'm in the middle. I'm the flyover state. Okay, I'm in in the middle, and so I didn't. I didn't think anything was going to happen in my area. But these coasts. Are you in the coast? Where are you at? Are you tracking me, Virginia, <laughs> outside Washington D.C. Yes, so you're you're at the heart here. <laughs> I am I am these... I am from a Novid family, <laughs> wife, three sons, Novid, and I've had five shots. Five. Okay. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything about COVID. I'm I'm talking about they New York wanted. I guess they rolled out a, an app, right, where they wanted to verify that you had. Oh, yeah, multiple states did that, sure. Sure. That's a problem for certain parts of the country. Uh, some, Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. 
so if you're in an independent repair shop, you know, I'm, so I was thinking about this as I was saying it, that, you know, <laughs> you could, you could offer an aftermarket device to your customer and your customer would be like, I don't want you tracking me. Yeah. You know, but, so but then the conversation goes, you're so that's being why tracked I shifted right now. gears to say, focus on the tires. <laughs> it's a, the, the tire, the problem with the tires for, for some of us, for a lot of us, tires are ancillary to our core business. Okay, I'm just. It's, and then the it's a gateway. Oh, oh no, I understand. Problem, but the so you you start looking at these small independent repair shops. My point before was that now they can they can connect everything together and go, hey, you you didn't get your fifth shot, so guess what? You ain't driving anywhere. Today. You're not going to the ballpark today, son. Click anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm but I'm saying like like. Uh, the change of seasons. I get those little alerts in the dashboard, right? Sure. For, you know, inflating my tires because they've gotten goofed up. And, you know, uh, so I'm really, because what do you have to, th what, what am I thinking about? High frequency. Sure. Tires is a high frequency proposition. Yeah. And, and, and I finally solved that problem by going to Costco. They have an awesome tire inflation uh, proposition that latches on. Whereas if I go, you know, to the Seven Eleven or something and try to use their uh, air yeah, pump, it's I can't get the damn thing, you know, to seat properly, and I'm letting air out of my tires instead <laughs> yeah. of putting it in. Yeah, uh, but I'm just just from as a consumer perspective more than anything else. Yeah, I I can see that. But uh, what I wanted to mention specifically about the the tire proposition is that a lot of small independent repair shops see tires as ancillary and not core to the business. It is in that shift. I know. And they take up your, space and everybody goes to tire rack and yada, yada, that, yada. That becomes the problem is that, okay, I can go after tires, but now I'm competing in a space that I don't have the, the marketing dollars Understood. to compete Understood. in. Yep. And so, but what I offer as a service is so far and above what the typical tire store offers but in the consumer's mind, it's all the same. So if all of a sudden I'm going after tires, now that differentiator I had is degraded because now I'm presenting that, hey, come to me for your tires. Don't go to Goodyear. They don't understand that I have fully equipped to handle your EV. Goodyear is not. They will slap some tires on that sucker and ship yep. it, and that's it. That's well, all okay. they can do. So, so you, all right, you cracked the seal on the EV conversation. Okay, and I I just bought an EV last fall. Um, unfortunately, uh, too late to qualify for the tax credit. But anyway, <laughs> it's a nice car, and I'm happy. Um, and the dealer was just clueless. Okay, I, I I said to disqualify. Oh, we don't know. Talk to your tax consultant. I said um, the dealer. Yes, they weren't using it to sell cars. Stay with me here. Oh, it's even worse than that because they were jacking up the price above MSRP because they wanted to basically take the tax credit away from you. Oh, uh, my gosh. Uh, that's what's going on right now. Yes, of course. Stealers. I, I, Stealers? Anyway. Uh, no, so, you're blaming the dealership. I blame the government. But I like, asked, hey, but I, you rolled out this stupid program. Turns out it is no benefit to the consumer. It is just patting the the bottom line of the dealership. Yeah, basically. Imagine so, that. But then I asked, this government program. I said, what about, you know, a home charging station? My dealer literally said to me, I don't know, call Home Depot. 
I swear to you. Then I was at wait, an industry. Wait, 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 wait. You got to say which manufacturer this was. Well, okay. So then I was at an industry event in Silicon Valley about EVs and charging. And I told this story and uh, a woman from Hyundai Cradle, which is their sort of venture arm, mm. came up to me and said, I'm really sorry you had that experience. We actually have a whole website where you can go to get a home charger and get it installed right. and this, that, and the other thing. And I said, that, that was great. So she sent me the link. I went on there and the, uh, my car wasn't there. They had a drop down <laughs> menu in my car. And I said, this is awesome that you sent me to this website, but my car wasn't there. Um, so we, I, we were just having this conversation with another <laughs> shop owner. It, it, exactly what you're saying. So he, he, uh, we, we have these, these advanced driver sy systems in these vehicles, right? And now when you touch the car, certain component on a car, just touching it, just removing and putting it back on. Got to be recalibrated. Has to be recalibrated. Yeah. That information is available to the local dealership, but the local, no, the local dealership is not checking. Oh, and so yeah. where this shop owner is telling the, well, the vehicle it, 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 it owner, will vary. It, it will. It, it, well, that's the problem. Yeah. 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 There's no consistent message. Yeah. He's telling the consumer, he's telling the, Hey, I have to calibrate your car. It is $350 oh. for me to do this front radar calibration on this vehicle. The, the vehicle owner calls the dealership. He didn't have the capabilities of doing it. But he's telling them, hey, you need to take it to the dealership and you need to get the front radar calibrated. The, he calls the dealership, <laughs> the, the consumer does. They call the dealership and they say, hey, my local repair shop touched this component and they say, I need to now have a front radar calibration. They say, no, you don't. What do you mean? No, I don't. It's like, no, we just need to adjust the toe on the steering alignment and then that's it. You don't have to do anything else. Now he's got service information that says, hey, once you touch it, this is going to be required. They're not looking at service information. The, the consumer, the consumer's trusting the dealership as being the gospel on this matter. Yep. And the, the, and, and he's looking at it going, the OEs are, are evil. And I'm going, no, the OEs are disseminating the information to the dealerships. And then the, the head of the dealerships, pushing it to the service manager and the service manager is telling the technicians well, this or the is, service this advisors. Is, this is ultimately what has driven the independent industry, which is a higher degree of trust and customer service than can be obtained at the dealership. Um, I mean, you can get coffee and donuts at the dealership, but you may not get, you know, proper You may not get care. great service. But in the consumer's mind, what the dealership says is gospel. I don't care who the consumer is. You're this a is consumer. Do you feel that way? Uh, He's in the know, though. Well, I'm, no, I'm, but but well. So, what the consumer, as a consumer, my experience is: yes, you 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 think it's gospel until you have the experiences like I have had, where you know I've traded in one BMW for another, and then discover three months later they didn't transfer my insurance. So I was driving around uninsured for three months, wow, yeah. you know, or something, you know, something like this. Or I, I bring my car into the dealership and this, this young woman goes around and she's like taking a look at the tires. And I say, what are you doing? So, oh, I'm with a uh, dealer tire. Uh, it's like, so they've got a third party doing, they don't even do it themselves in house. So you've got all these third parties, you know, yeah. uh, at the dealership. It's like a cluster of third parties, you know, it's not, and, there's a conflicted relationship 
between, okay, I like to say OEMs hate dealers, dealers hate OEMs, OEMs and dealers hate insurance companies, <laughs> and everybody hates the government. Okay, so <laughs> he nailed it. There you go. I mean, yeah, right? it's better than so that. So <laughs> there's this conflict. So people think like that's an arm of the OEM, when in fact it's a customer of the OEM. Yeah, sure, exactly, sure. and exactly. So I think there is an opportunity to. I mean, it's a big hurdle to overcome yeah. that trust perception, but I think you know the you know, with the proper handling the the third party guy can convey the story that he may you know they're not telling you the right information this does need to be and, and you've got ev you know people don't understand how their evs are working you know i it yeah. said i had this much range now i have this much i'm charging it here i'm charging it there i don't know and then to say no adas one of my wise ass sons turned on lane keeping in my bmw 3 series and all of a sudden i i have to signal when i want to change lanes now <laughs> And I thought, you know, okay, he's that's he's right. You know, yeah. he's that's that's yeah. as it should be. And I've left it on, annoying though it may be. And it's scary because I don't know if you've had an aggressive lane keeping system in a car. It'll yeah. practically take you off the road. Sure, sure. In the interest of helping you, um, and the accidentally <laughs> yesterday, it's a little bit of more of a reflection on me. I was trying to figure out how to set the odometer because I was gonna. I had to run this virtual 10k. Um, so I wanted to do a drive to measure off a, a 10K. And, you know, there's no longer the plastic button in the instrument cluster of my BMW yeah. to just reset you the know, odometer. In fact, there's no odometer in, yeah. in the instrument cluster. And so I finally found it in, in the navigation. But uh, as I was playing with the buttons, I didn't realize there's a little toggle on the left-hand side of the steering wheel that is a speed limiter. So I'm, I go on. to drive and I'm, I'm like putting the pedal to the metal and the car is not going. I, it took me about five, 10 minutes to realize, oh, it's, I, there's so much that consumers do not understand yeah, about their cars yeah. that a good repair shop can, can do that education. Now there's a lot more cars and greater variety than there's ever been. So that's easier said than done perhaps, but, um, but as a repair shop, they have access to all the service uh, announcements and things, recalls. You know, dealers aren't doing the recalls they're supposed to be doing. You know, I mean, that's an opportunity as well. Uh, we, uh, we do don't do you there. see a, a, a future where there can be a more symbiotic relationship between the aftermarket repair shops and the manufacturers? Open data access to the car uh, is, uh, yes. is the only way. It's right. the only way. So... Yes, that jackass Massachusetts law is all fouled up in the manner in which it was written, but the intent was right. Yeah, the intent right. was right to give the customer access to the data or to enable the customer to send their data to whoever uh, they want it to go to. Um, the problem is who's going to collect it, who's going to sort it, who's going to then disseminate the information. There all are, of that there carries are parties costs. out there. Uh, ready to to do that i can't believe snap-on and bosch aren't interested uh and they have a competitive probably not thinking about it and they have a whole competitive uh proposition they're coming to grips with which is you know the uh the chinese companies that are coming into their space yeah and 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 there may be an opportunity there fraught though it may be with geopolitical (laughs) implications It's not that simple. No. You know what we need to do what? is start a car company that just builds like old school. What are the Panther bodies like? 
The Crown Vicks. <laughs> Old school Crown you Vicks. You're going to make it a pedal car. It's only you're going to get it this past the no turning back. This is just like the whole. No, no, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. We're going to go it's back like the, rudimentary. It, it's like the AI conversation you were having, right? So, you know, Musk is, we've got to turn in the direction of the skid, and Cinder Pichai is like, no, we've got to slow down. And, you know, uh, there's a couple of regulatory regimes that have been, you know, sort of floated. Um, but, the, the, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, right? It, and and here's the thing is is and it kind of t- kind of ties back to the data right and and this is the thing that I don't think you think about a lot because you would rather just be ornery and pissed off about something no matter what right that's just who you are but consumers will give up a lot for convenience they they will sacrifice a ton of privacy for something that's convenient we talk about it in shops no, no, all the time the problem is that's true right up until there are consequences to that. That's what I was I talking about. I don't disagree with that. that look, look, again, in Denmark, I think it was Denmark, they were walking through restaurants checking people's vaccine status. Why do you Why are we going there? back here? What, what is the matter this with was, you? This is a perfect <laughs> example <laughs> now, now if you cars and no, data, no, hold on, no, no. All right, let now, me get this. You, okay, let me get this off the heart, the soft shoulder and back on the on the no, road. No, he, from, my point is, he, you're you're right. They'll give up a lot for convenience. Yeah, that happens in the wrong part of this country. Now in Denmark, they didn't care. They were just now, showing the little cards. Okay, or speaking of convenience, another element that the independent repair shops are competing with is an emerging capability from the OEM dealers and others to offer remote service. Come to you service. We'll come get yeah. your car yeah. and, and bring it in. And we're, and we're seeing that in our area, right? We're seeing that all over North well, Carolina. Well, they're, they're using it as a means to sell the car two and a half hours away from the local dealership because if you're two and a half hours away from the dealer, you're not going to buy that BMW. Well, I, they're even doing it with service. Right, we've got yes, mobile. Take, we've got mobile, mobile service. service. Absolutely, sure, this is sure. this is coming. This is happening right now. Multiple and, startups are trying to bring this to market, and it it exists today. It's just not widespread yet. Well, I, I mean, you know, the the first time you look at your phone and you've been talking to your friends about something, and you you're scrolling, and all of a sudden the ads on Facebook are for what you were just talking about, right? And that only happens so many times before you go, they're listening to me. There's no way around it. Like it, it, so I keep telling you, look, the first time you're in a restaurant and you, they walk up to you and they're like, hey, show your card. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you didn't get the card. Like, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not doing this. But, and it also okay, get dragged okay, off okay, to mean uh, jail. Uh, okay. Here's, some, and they're here's like, something hey, else. Turns out they were tracking you the whole time. Here's, and you're like, well, I don't want the convenience if they're going to throw me in meme jail. Here's something here's jail. something else to think about, okay? So <laughs> we probably all think that roadside assistance is is covered, right? You know, AAA, right. um was it Agero, uh, Allstate, yeah. problem solved. There's no there's no opportunity there. Urgently, startup in in Northern Virginia and McLean, they are winning OEM deals all over the place because they sort of uberfied roadside assistance. So you just open the app, call for help, whether it's, you know, know, replacing a tire or you're a complete failure. And you can see the the vehicle coming on the map to take care of you. Nobody else did that. And then they've, you know, gone beyond that as well with other value adds. Well, when when something's automated, right? And that was my point of the the Facebook thing, right? 
or that's the Amazon. really smart, but that's specifically because the tow services all offering horrible well, service. Well, well, they also a, a whole bunch of them, like thirty or forty percent of them, shut down during COVID. So it was already bad before COVID, and then it just got worse. worse yeah. Well, so so you get online. <clears throat> You see on Amazon Prime that there's this product available and you were just talking about it. What do you do? You end up buying it, right? Or you buy some rendition of it. So you buy it. That was super convenient. It was easy. One of the things that we don't think about is the human effect that this has, right? And so, for instance, you mentioned the tow trucks, right? I know guys who drive tow trucks. They Don't forget flatbeds. Better exactly. be a flatbed if it's an EV, but go ahead. That's it. But But one of the things that I have heard from some of the people that are working for some of these companies is like, hey, we're, we're not okay with the way this is happening. I have to have a job right now. I need a job. But I don't want them to know exactly where I'm at and to be able to control me because in the consumer's mind, it's, it's, a, it's an automated process. I'm controlling this process. And so I, I think back to, in some ways, what you're talking about, the, the perception of what it is that you're getting, right? I think we're perceiving this as something completely different. Is it changing the human mindset when it comes to service businesses? I think, I guess what I'm trying to suggest is there are opportunities of course, where it looks like there are none, where it looks like, okay, this is how it's always been and how it's always going to be, and there's nothing I can do. Urgently looked at roadside assistance and yeah. said, we can do this better. We can do it differently. Uh, and as you know, what we went through... COVID forced everybody to think about things differently. Of course. Uh, sure. I mean, you know, the boxes showing up on people's doorsteps like never before. Mm -hmm. um, people having food and groceries delivered to their houses. Now people are going and picking up. So th that behavior bounced back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and people are, you know, actually sitting down and eating in restaurants. But some people are still... I just want to pick it up at the curb. And there are was, apps emerging. It's convenient. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. It's so, convenient. It's so, easy. So what does that mean to the independent repair shops? I don't necessarily have the answer, but it could be, you know, come to you kind of service or we'll come and get the, the car if you don't want to come over here. Right. Um, you know, the, these kinds of things that, that may not appear obvious, uh, but that are just require thinking differently. It, it, one of the things that we found with a lot of auto repair shops is is they get in this this cycle or this echo chamber of this is what we do, right? This is how we fix the car. This is how we run the business, right? And and we'll go to them all the time. You know, a shop will be in bad shape. We'll say, hey, you got to do this different. You have to do this. This is the way I've always done it. This is the way I'm going to do it. And they'll get fighting mad over it, right? They'll get upset about having to change something. And I think you're exactly right. I think we have to reimagine what auto repair is going to look like 10 years from now because, you know, the presentation this morning was is we're going to see more change in the automobile in the next 10 years than we've seen in the past 100. And that's been something that's been said for 20 years, right? And and it's accelerating. It's getting faster and faster. I think – so I'm reading this book uh, by Yuri Levine. He was one of the founders of Waze. You know, they had a big exit, a billion-dollar exit. Google bought them right. however many years ago. And the book is Fall in Love with the Problem, Not the Solution. And the things he talks about there uh, are, are what popped into my mind as you just were speaking. And that is maybe even when you have a customer in for just something routine, you throw some questions at them about some yeah. different ways of engaging with them or, or helping take care of their needs. You know, 
by the way, you know, we're thinking of doing this or we're thinking of doing that. Right. Would you be interested? You know, would you want a, yeah. a device that's communicating with me or do you not want to be tracked? Would that make you uncomfortable? Do you, do you want to, us to have like a regular checkup or something? Because yeah. you seem to come in here a lot. <laughs> right, you know, right. or just um, just some ideas, bounce things off people, uh, just to treat it as a market research opportunity. Right, um, and uh, you know, when I <laughs> when I go to my repair shop, I usually get it earful of uh, yeah, tin tin hat kind of uh, feedback, <laughs> and it's amusing and it's interesting, but it's like, why don't you ask me about? the car care stuff or, right. Hey, I see your car has this, you know, that it works like this. I see you haven't activated it. Did you ever try lane keeping in your car? Do you know how right. that works? Um, my car, uh, the, the, uh, Hyundai that I have has highway driving assist. So it's a kind of super cruise. Um, right. my wife turned it on by accident. These things are going on all the time. Uh, right. now the automaker offers when you buy a new car these days, they say, Come in, you know, Saturday for half an hour, an hour. We'll show you how to. It's like, are you out of your mind? I'm not coming back here. Right. I want you. out as quick as I can get oh, out. Oh my God. Give me a, send me a YouTube video or something. Right. You know, um, so maybe there are some things, you know, that that independent shop can help, you know, educate about their own car right. that, that might lead to further business and building that trust, you know, right. like. I know just as much or more than your dealer does. In fact, and I'm going to help you understand. Well, I, I think it goes back to what we're always talking about, being an advocate for the client, right? Like that's your job as, as a repair shop owner, as a service advisor, really as a technician. That At the end of the day, that's your job. Yeah, we fix the car. Recalls, recalls, hello. I mean, yeah. even rental car companies got caught not not doing the recall work uh, on their vehicles. Right. Um, and I... I knew a guy in LA who used to run campaigns uh, around a dealership. They, they'd identify, you know, through like Sirius XM subscriptions and Verizon, you know, they, a, a bunch of customers uh, to target um, with recall campaign stuff. Cause they would identify the owners of all these cars. Um, so the, a variety of, and, and when you let somebody know about something like that, then they might go, Oh yeah, I got that mailer from the dealer well, we can take care of that. And, you know, you know, it'll be paid for. We, you don't have to go to the dealer to get that done. I can do that for you. Um, that kind of that, stuff. That would work if the OEs wanted to make that happen. That's a huge opportunity right there. But they have a big problem. They, they are still failing to get all those cars in. It's still they a big, are, it's but big rather than find a solution in the aftermarket, they're refusing to do anything about it and saying, well, well we're just going to let the car sit either with no recall performed and let the consumer just drive it. And they say, hey, we're sending the postcards. What do you want us to do? Right. Or they're letting the car sit on their lot while they're driving around in rental cars or used cars that they've already had the recall down on them. They send it out and that they, the, the ignition switch recall, GM, I had a customer who had an 08 Saturn Ion Redline, nice car. Uh, she she sat without her car for three or four months while they got the recall. Something done. like that can be. Like, oh, really? Yes, it, it's really important. You really should get it yeah. taken care of, and I can I can help you with that. We can do that here. The problem is the compensation for the shop on the back end. The consumer doesn't want to get reimbursed. They don't want to pay anything out of pocket. That's what they've been conditioned to do: yeah. is to just go to the dealership, have it done for free. I get asked all the time for recalls, all the time for recalls. The problem is I tell them, 
It's like, hey, you're going to have to pay me. I'm going to have to make sure that I'm in line. They're not going to pay dime more than what they would compensate the dealership for. I have no idea what that is because they don't feed that information oh, to me. Oh, the customer has to go get the reimbursement? The mm-hmm. customer has to uh, get the reimbursement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, See, now you're having to pay out of pocket to me. I will fix the car. I'll get the recall handled for you. But Is now, there any way for the repair shop to facilitate not that? Not right now there isn't. That I, would I, be a I huge think, opportunity. I think Ford has a program. Only with their diesels, slow. I, I, I want to say Ford, and there's another one. And only because they keep selling these junk vehicles out. They sell these junk <gasps> what? before it <laughs> Now, it was Mary Barra who said when she, right before they made her CEO, she said, no more crappy cars. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody in marketing had a conversation with her after she said right. that. So <laughs> they, they keep putting out these vehicles. They sell millions of them a year. They don't have anybody to work on them because they're, they're Ford. They don't have anybody to work on them. They break down because they're what they do and they're backed up they don't they can't find technicians they don't have enough space my local ford dealership had leased an off-site location just to start pumping through as many fleet vehicles as possible these big transits these diesel transits these uh f-150s 250s 350s diesels they they had to to rent an off-site facility just to have the space to get through as many as they were selling they still don't have anybody to staff it. It's empty most of the time because they don't have anybody to work on them. But by the way, what about um, the independent repair shops and software updates? Is anybody keeping track of software updates? Like, hey, you know, there's a software update Some, for this car. If there's a problem with the vehicle and it can be solved with a software update. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just as it would be in the interest of independent third-party uh, you know, repair shops to keep track of recalls, it would be in their interest to, to have some awareness of software updates. So when I got my new car, I knew through one of the suppliers that there was a 30 gigabyte update available. Oh, wow. I went to the website, found my car, this, that, and the other thing, downloaded it. I had, to, I had to go buy a thumb drive that was big enough to take that file. I had to download it my computer, offload it to the thumb drive, uh, I put it in the car, loaded it up, and then that supplier said, well, take a picture of the screen and send it to me. I sent it to him. He said, yeah, you got the April update. You need the October update. <laughs> and and I'm in the industry, he sent it to me. But he yeah. also told me that Hyundai uh, didn't want the dealers to do that update. Now, I, I don't know why, whether it was taking up too much time or... Probably was taking up too much time, and then the dealerships want compensation for it. And so now it's like, well... But my dealer across... But my dealer... My neighbor across the street, he has a Palisade or something. He's got a big honking Hyundai yeah. SUV. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's probably a software update for your car, but I, he, hasn't, uh, he hasn't checked it out. The people, the consumer's not looking at it like a cell phone. They should be looking at yes. it like a cell phone yep. security 100%. updates that need to be pushed out because there's a problem. There's a lot of data in there that you don't want jacked. They're not looking at it that way. On top of that, if it's, again, if there's a problem with the vehicle, if there's a fix that can be fixed through software, we see it if the technical service bulletin gets put out and we have a habit in the, on the independent repair side to check them yep. before we proceed with repairs. So we check, there's a TSB, there's a software update. Well, I mean, even just general updates, though. The, the, that's the problem, though. It's All the OEs were sitting up there going, 
our software, our tool. It's like, okay, great. I'm not buying everybody's software and everybody's tool because if the software is two or three grand a year, plus the tools. I guess, under the I two guess or what three I'm saying grand. is there is a tidal wave, okay, of software updating activity that's sweeping through the industry right now. Yeah. Almost every automaker, yeah. because there is an organization called UNECE. The U.S. is not a signatory to this organization, but they mandated cybersecurity requirements in the car and software updating of cars, including a software bill of materials. Automakers have to, in Europe and various other countries around the world. They don't have to do it in the U.S., but the U.S. is, is impacted by this. And so every automaker, but I, but of course you've heard about the software-defined car. There's so much software in the car. Sure, that, sure. But software updating is becoming more or less a routine thing. The software update I got for my BMW, I was going through all the checkboxes, pulling out the OBD device, and then finally the thing it said was, turn off all exterior lights. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I locked the car, I walk away, I'm looking through the window at the screen to see if it's happening, and... I tried this must have been half a dozen times before I finally realized, you know how you leave your headlights in the auto? Yeah. It needed me to turn. As soon as I turned that off, right then the, the software, software update yeah. initiated. But the point is there's the safety systems, the infotainment system, yeah. all this stuff in the car. There's so much software updating going on. And I think, think there's an opportunity even if it's just an educational trust building it's proposition. a huge opportunity the they were having a, a presentation earlier saying that they will be able to save in 2025 by 2025 an estimated 60 billion dollars of warranty work yes oh, is yeah. going to be removed or is going to be able to to be saved through software updates hey we don't have to do the warranty work anymore we just send an over-the-air software update fixed. and the oem dealers are fighting that they want to do all of it, and the OEMs don't necessarily want that at all. You know, a lot of it they want to just do. Now, Tesla wants you to get a Wi-Fi connection, but the point is they would rather handle that directly. But And it, it's like this... It, it's, it's going to make not, the dealers very aggressive. Well, it's unclear who owns the customer relationship at the end of the day. I would argue that the OEM dealer does. I, I'm not expecting a lot of sympathy from you for OEM dealers. Right. But... Um, the average car owner is 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 an is an orphan because the right. OEMs don't own the relationship. The dealers are fighting I, to own that relationship. You don't think that the relationship goes to the brand? It's supposed to. They believe it does. I, in my mind, uh, you know, it's a I own a Honda. I don't own a Frank and Kona Honda. I own a Honda. But the so the OEMs will say the customer owns the data. Then you would turn that Ford around and say, say that. Ford says it's our data. You're just well. That's the catechism. They have to say that. But the reality <laughs> is that the customer can't get access to the data. They yeah. can get a little bit of it on a website, typically, but not the rich depth of information. Who stores the data? Owns the data. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the it's the OEM, it's right? Yeah. And and the I can't remember who it was that we were talking to the other day. Software company. And he was talking about the fact even shop management software, right? Like the value of shop management software is not in monthly subscriptions. The true value in these these uh, management softwares is the data mining and data collection hmm. and, and equity mining, right? Especially for uh, new car dealers, right? That That's where their interest is at. Um, and, and 
you know, before we started recording, I was talking to John Firm and talking about like where where I grew up and, and the area I grew up in. There were places that didn't have running water and indoor plumbing and electricity, right? Just 15, 20 years ago. And, and here we are 20 years later, and data is our most valuable asset of anything, right? And it, it's not something you can even really put your hands on. It's not something, and and so some of these older shop owners, and it's not necessarily that they're older, but they different mindset, right? I'm just going to fix the car. I'm just going to fix the car. I'm just going to fix the car. They don't. I don't think they realize how valuable that data truly is. And and so if you don't understand its value, and you you look at why they're fighting so hard to own that data and to keep that data, and and <laughs> they'll create a complete campaign that says you own this data, it's yours, and then not give it to you. I don't even know if the consumer knows how much data the car really collects. What, what was it? Didn't they say? I've got a slideshow on this computer somewhere. <laughs> Isn't it four to ten gigs of data an hour that the car collects? Oh, that's well. The, if you're talking about an a automated vehicle, that's a test vehicle. It, well, the, that can be like a uh, you know a, a terabyte a you know a, a week or something. I mean, just ridiculous amounts of data, but that's not transmitted over the air. That's right. stored on board and then offloaded with sneaker net, you know. Um, but what I was going to say is, and it's not necessarily relevant totally to this conversation, but it is relevant to the data piece, which is your car is a browser, okay? Yeah. It's capturing all of your intentional behavior and the OEMs, OEMs are very much focused on capturing that information and understanding what you're doing at all times and being able to serve you up. So what the next wave of activity coming into cars is contextual advertising and marketing messages yeah. and information. Yeah. Uh, so there are multiple companies working on trying to perfect this proposition, um, which is it sort of blows my mind because what we're talking about coming into the car now is streaming audio, streaming video, mm -hmm. Video games and TikTok, social media. Like 13 years ago, a lot of the OEMs were lining up and putting Twitter and Facebook in the car, and then all of a sudden the light bulb went off and said, wait, Twitter and Facebook does not belong in the dashboard. <laughs> right. And I mean, you have to stare at that. You know, it's like, yeah. that's, that doesn't make no sense. But they've, now they've gone back to the same mistake they made 13 years ago, and they're putting TikTok into, into the car. Um, but if you understand that that's, that's the thought process, then you can see how... In some respects, they've kind of taken their eye off the ball because the conversation around X-Time and Cox and CRM 15 years ago was about bringing that customer back to the dealer, the recognition that, that customer retention is a multi-hundred million dollar value proposition, warranty cost avoidance uh, issues. Yeah. You know, that was the core. There was a recognition of that. You want to have automatic crash notification. You want to be there when the car has a failure or a crash, because that's a point, the lowest point of customer satisfaction and the highest point of customer defection. Right. Um, but they've let all that slide uh, and that they're not paying attention to it as much as they should. So I think the door is open for independent shops to take better care of and to better educate that customer because the average customer, as I said, is the average new car owner is an orphan they yeah. don't have an owner that's taking care of them and, and, right. and educating them about what they're driving around. Yep. That's very true. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode.
Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.